This is the Agile Thoughts Podcast, and I'm Lance Kine. I'm Will Iverson. I'm the founder of Double Robot, an independent video game studio. My background is in software development. I've been writing code since I was a kid. I spent many, many years doing software development consulting, and then a few years ago, I had the opportunity to be able to pivot and switch to making games. Uh, the name of my game is Blaze Sky. It's a space opera action role-playing game. Let's talk a little bit about your platform. What is Unity, and is it open source? There's this huge world of, of uh, game development engines, right? Um, basically, if you think about it, it's like you've got the core computer and its operating system, and then there's these graphic layers on top that exist that are how you talk to a video card, right? And so the video cards nowadays, there's a whole bunch of different languages and tools that you can talk to them. And you've probably maybe seen some of those reference like OpenGL or Metal or DirectX, right? And then there's this whole other layer of software that's a game engine. And that's basically all the things between the code that as a game developer you want to write and then this video, the video cards and the audio and input are also factors too. And so when I first started uh, doing game development I, as a Java developer, I started working with a tool called LibGDX, which is an open source Java-based framework for making games. And it's really cool. And you can make a lot of stuff with it. Um, but And I learned a lot because it was open source. So I was able to go through and, and play with it. There's a couple of others for other platforms and languages. There's one called Raylib that's really nice if you're a C, C++ developer. There's um, a bunch of other C-sharp ones as well. The reason I wound up going with Unity, um, two, two or three, one of them was... Almost all of the other tools do not support all the platforms. So what I mean by that is, uh, I want to be able to write a game where I can I can write it once and I can run it on Macs, PC, Linux, Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo Switch, ever all the things that people play games on. And basically, the only tool that's got really wide set, widespread support for all of those platforms is Unity. Uh, there is a free version of Unity, but um, I did go ahead and spring for the commercial license for it. So, so basically, at the most base, prim, fundamental level, if if I make a game and I can't ship it, then why did I bother? Almost right. There's one other engine, Unreal, which is also via, also in that space and viable. Uh, Part of it is also there's a ton of tools that exist in Unity that aren't in some of these other frameworks and tools. So, for example, let's take LibGDX, which is the Java framework. Um, you have a ton of control, but you're writing everything by hand in code. So if you want to lay out a user interface, if you want to do animations, if you want to do particle effects, you're writing code for everything. Whereas with Unity, like... I, let's say I want to animate something. I just attach an animation component to it. I can bring in a 3D model, and then I can wire it up with the controller. And like I have space aliens that fly around, and they look creepy cool. And I was able to, with Unity, go up on the asset store, buy the model, pull it into the game, and then animate it and have it working that afternoon. 
So Unity came with the functionality where it sounds like the Java one was like an interface strategy to, you had to fill out the interfaces to, to, to get the, the, the things you need to do done. And uh, is Unity open source? Nope, Unity's not open source. Uh, you can download it for free, though. So if you're a developer and you want to get started, you can... I mean, it's free, and schools use it. There's a ridiculous amount of educational material on how to use it. Um, that was actually one of the big shifts for me, is my, my standard learning, my model is to read a book, right? And that was one of the biggest shifts that I had to go through, and it was very deliberate, was to start watching like tons of video tutorials on how to do things, like visual effects and camera work and lensing and all that fun stuff. But tell, tell me about that shift. Was it uncomfortable or was it just un- surprising? Uh, why was it a shift at all? Yeah. So, so the, the, the learning shift. So everybody has different preferred learning models, right? Like some people like classroom settings. Some people like to read. Some people like to watch video. Um, I've read books that talk about anywhere from seven to 11 different kinds of intelligence that people have. So like kinesthetic intelligence is an example of something where you've, I mean, we might, we, you may have known somebody who was able to just like, you could, they could do a dance move and then the other person can replicate it almost instantly the first time. Right. So all these different kinds of intelligence. So the trick for me is that what I found is that I'm a one of my least favorite learning models is actually classroom. Um, and that's cause I'm very, I get very impatient. I'm like, come on, talk faster, do it quicker, whatever. Uh, so that's why I would gravitate towards books. Um, and, and very early on I found, you know, somebody would say like they would, I remember this is actually really funny. I, I was in a meeting, uh, back in like the mid nineties, one of my first jobs. Right. And they were talking about how do people learn how to use the class library that is shipped with the development tool. And the, they were doing a poll they, they, in the meeting and they asked everybody, well, how did you learn the, the framework? And I said, well, I just read the reference manual. It was like a 400 page manual with every component and everything in it. Right. And they were like, what do you mean? And I said, well, I just read the manual. I just started at the beginning in page one, and I read through all 400 pages, and that was a big part of how I learned how to use the tool and the framework. And I remember the room got really quiet, and, <laughs> and I didn't understand Stranger why. danger happened. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't understand. And it was like, oh, that one of those moments where I'm like, oh, I'm really weird that yeah, way. You like right? to RTFM. Yeah, I do. Like Java in the nutshell, I yeah. would read that from beginning I to end. I, I would read all those books, right? Um, same thing with Unity. So it's like, okay, well, I'm going to learn how to use Unity. So I would just I bought like six books on Unity, and I would read them from beginning to end. And what I found was that the the document that the tools and the frameworks for all the visual stuff were very, very much like drag and drop components and editing curves and editors and moving things around. And the problem is, is that technical material, like learning how to li- how a code library works, you can read and you can understand it. But the problem is if it's like reading documentation that says things like drag and drop this thing onto that thing is really painful and hard and doesn't work very well because you're not actually getting the associations in your mind. Right. So what I started doing was at some point I realized that the 
I could keep reading books, but I wasn't going to make any progress. And I had to start watching the videos. <laughs> so what I do is, um, I would like my, you know, my son would go to sleep and then it would be like, I'd have that time in the evening, for example. And I could just watch YouTube on my, on the Apple TV hooked up to my big screen TV, or I w- could watch YouTube videos on my computer and then I could set them to run at one and a half or two X speed. And that was so much nicer, you know, yeah. being able to just go through it. Right now, uh, so I've, I feel really pretty comfortable working with Unity. I've got all of the tools and the components. There's basically most of the guts of it. I'm at least somewhat familiar with how it works at this. So what I'm doing is I'm doing the same thing with Blender right now. Oh, which yeah. Which is a 3D modeling tool, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, that thing's huge. You could spend a lifetime learning all the different ins and outs on that tool. And it gives me some way to sort of scratch that itch of like, I want to keep learning and keep growing and keep doing stuff um, while also, uh, um, (laughs) you know, balancing out my learning styles. Do you use Blender for building your 3D models? Actually, for the game, part of the whole reason... So the game, I guess I should start with just a real... Like, what the heck is the game, right? So the original pitch for the game was just Asteroids, the role-playing game. Right? So you have little spaceships, and they fly around, and they blow stuff up. And then the idea was to also tell a story. Like a choose-your-own-adventure story. So that was really the original pitch. It was really simple. Fortunately, it turns out that you can get tons of those kinds of assets, especially photorealistic ones, off the asset stores. So I have like little um, kit bash kits. So basically what you can do is you can take uh, kits of spaceships that you can download the assets for, and then you can glue them to, and then you can stick them together. So it's almost like a 3D bag of parts, and you just stick them together and voila. Right. Yeah. And so what that meant was is that I was able to add in there's uh, like 60 playable ships in the game. You know, alien spaceships, fighters, capital ships, all that stuff. Hmm. Uh, There's comets and asteroids and, uh, you know, all sorts of stuff. And I was able to put all that in without having to do my own 3D modeling. Nice. So then part of what I'm doing with Unity is there's a bunch of things that I want to put into the game for like the end boss, like, you know, creepy looking alien fragments of space stations that have blown up and stuff. That's called hard surface modeling. And it's, I think, a little easier to do in, in, uh, for somebody. And so basically I'm just, I can build the models and then I can throw textures on it and have it look pretty good. Okay. So the uh, complicated models you bought... Off on the on the on market, and then later you'll need some, some maybe simpler models that you'll build your, on your own. Yeah, and part of it is is, is the by going through the process. Okay, so let's just take three D modeling for a second, just to, to to kind of walk through how stupidly complicated it can be. So you have, you have, let's say you want to make a 3D model. You have a mesh, right, which is just 3D points in space with vertices. Then you have normals, which is which direction is each face pointing. And then you can then attach UV textures, which are basically 2D texture data that you can apply to the mesh, which can give it colors and shapes and reflectivity and, and bumping on it and all this stuff. And so let's just say you want to make a chair. In, so now I've got the mesh for the chair. I might have the colors of the chair with the, the, the woodwork on it. Maybe I want to add detail and grime so it looks all, all bumpy. You could spend two days building one chair. One chair, right, right. 
right? So what I've been doing is, is I go and I pull down these assets off the asset store, and then I'll, I'll hack them, right? I will, um, for example, I've got asteroids, right? So I've got these asteroids where they're lava asteroids and electric electricity asteroids and stuff, right? <laughs> wow. Um, and then what I'll do is I'll take the asteroids' textures. So I do this thing right now, like when a sh when you blow up an enemy ship, right? Yeah. Um, what I do is I swap the texture out on the enemy ship from whatever it shipped with to the lava asteroid texture. Oh, okay. So okay. now it looks all like glowing red and black and kind of effed up and right. Uh. So that's not like if I was a 3D modeler and I was really professional about it, I might look at that and go, oh man, you are totally cheating because you're taking <laughs> that thing and throwing it on that thing. But, you know, at the yeah. end of the day, it looks good and I'm, I'm saving texture data because I'm reusing the same textures in lots of places and whatever. And it's this weird fusion of visual arts and yeah. low level technical stuff. Ace is an agile consultant who shares space with a coffee shop in order to save on the rent. Meet this hard-boiled agile consultant and follow his adventures on helping his clients become agile no matter the circumstance. Scrum Noir, the project management comic book that teaches you agile, is available on Amazon. Just search for Scrum Noir. N-O-I-R. Blaze Sky is on the Steam Games platform. You can go right there and search for Blaze Sky, one word, and you can wishlist or purchase the game. And if you're listening to this show on a podcast player... Show notes are automatically downloaded along with this programming. And in those show notes are links to cinema of the game showing real gameplay. Otherwise, come over to the website and you'll find the same show notes and links. Next episode, we're going to hear more from Will Iverson, founder of Double Robot, about Blaze Sky. Do you do any test automation? Ooh, so this is a really interesting space. So, so test automation in games is is a really fascinating space because, like, my background for for gosh, the last twenty years was doing server side stuff, right? And if you're building REST services in 2020 and you don't write automated tests, you're, you're kind of, in my opinion, a little crazy. 